Did you guys enjoy Sam and Evie? I don't know where Sam and Evie are, but probably in the back somewhere. Oh, there's Sam and there's Evie right back there. Didn't you enjoy them last, last time we got together? Didn't they do a great job? We're thankful for them. Thank you guys for sharing your hearts about uh, the blessing of spiritual hunger. And we're going to continue on that today um, as our fourth uh, part on this four-part series uh, of spiritual hunger because we do realize that that is one aspect that is critical and very, very important for our spiritual life is actually to be, to learn to be hungry for the things of God. And, and Sam and Evie reminded us how to maintain that uh, last week. And so uh, <clears throat> this morning, we want to talk a little bit more about this subject. Would you do me a favor and just uh, put your hands out, close your eyes for a moment and just say, Father, here we are. Jesus, I pray that you would be honored. As your word is shared this morning, I pray that you would do a work deep inside our hearts, that we would acknowledge and recognize the need that we have to continuously be hungry for your presence and for you. Thank you for each and every person in this place. I pray your blessings and your anointing rest on everyone in Jesus' name. Amen. A prominent church leader recently made this statement. He said, the church is as strong as its pulpit. And while I hear that, I also hear that that is in so many ways what's wrong with the American church. I really believe that. You say, why? Because I, I think we need to ask ourselves a question. Have we truly come to a place when we rely more on the eloquence, on the uh, uh, popularity, right, on the, uh, on the attractions, on the externals, on celebrity preachers more than we rely on the presence of God? Let's ask ourselves that question for a moment. Now, I'm not advocating that we undermine the importance of biblical teaching and preaching that is done with excellence, with eloquence, with study. But man, I do not believe that the power of God for conviction should rest on an individual to bring us into a place of growth in the Lord. Now, you say, okay, well, fine. That's not the case. We agree. So what is? I'm so glad you asked that question. It is the presence of God. And it is people who are hungry for the presence of God. Hungry people change the atmosphere that they're in. Not a preacher. Hungry people bring with them the power to change their surroundings. Not a preacher. Hungry people change their home surrounding. Hungry people change their work surrounding. Hungry people bring the presence of God right here when we come together so that you don't rely on me. You don't rely. I love that in prayer this morning, David prayed a, a prayer that I so agree with. That, you know what? We love the worship team. We love the singers. But they can't bring the presence of God. It's not 
all of this stuff, guys. It's what dwells and resides inside each and every one of us. We bring it with us. It is something that we bring. You know what? When, when we, when, a few years ago, when I used to lead worship on a regular basis a few years ago, I used to tell people, you know what? Realize this, that you're not bringing us to a place. You're taking us where you have been. You see, the band, they're taking us where they have been. We go where we have been in the presence of God. That means that we need to be ready constantly all the time. We need the Holy Spirit to impart in us a desire to remain hungry for the things of God. In fact, James chapter 4 and verse 8 tells us this, a verse that we all know very well. Come near to God and he will come near to you. That's just a very simple equation, isn't it? You come near to God, he comes near to you. You take one step forward toward God, he takes one step forward to you. You know, you take two, three, four, twenty, he takes as many towards you. Because he rewards hunger. Hunger brings us close to God. Hunger <clears throat> will not, you know... It will not disappoint us. It will not take us into a place where, like when you're hungry, truly hungry and desiring God's presence, that God is not going to show up. But I will tell you one thing. God will not hang out with the people whose desire is for self-gratification, self-indulgence, molding God to fit their agenda for living the Christian life the way they want. It, God is just not going to do that. He's not going partner to that, partner that way with us. We cannot pick and choose what we deem to be God because that means boxing God and in so many ways manipulating God with the way that we think and what we want. God will dwell in the midst of a spiritually hunger and hungry people and he will come with his presence and dwell in our midst. Now we talked about the definition of hunger a number of times and I, I just want to quickly mention that um, when you're hungry physically in the natural you have a strong desire or craving for something right I mean if you sometimes like on a Friday night you know the week is over you know you're like you know I've had dinner at five o'clock and it's like 8 30 you know what honey why don't we order pizza in a movie and just like sit down and just at 8.30, yeah, you know, I mean, Lawson and I back in college, we used to do that probably like 10.30, 11 o'clock at night. Hey, you know what, it's a weekend, let's just order pizza and just watch a movie and just kiss sarah, sarah, right? That's hunger, right? You, you just have a craving that you want to satisfy. For those women that are expecting, I know that there's a couple of you, have, have you told your husbands to go get something that you're craving so badly yet? If you have, oh, you, know, you have? Okay, good, good. How about you, Chloe? Have you done that yet? You, you, you should. <laughs> you know, many years ago when Lois was expecting our oldest daughter, Sammy, uh, she just wanted to have watermelon in the month of January. I found a yellow, tasteless, disgusting watermelon. That was in Canada, too. Yeah, that, there were no watermelons coming from Florida. But anyway, we got there. Spiritual hunger is a desire for God 
that releases the fullness of the presence of God in our lives. I'm going to say that again. Spiritual hunger is a desire for God that releases the fullness of his presence in our lives. The text that we've been using is Psalm 107 and verse 8 and 9. And I'm just going to read that again. It says, let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love. And his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and he fills the hungry. Come on, look at the person next to you and tell them. He fills the hungry with good things. He fills the hungry with good things. Now, I love looking at the original meaning of words. And this word in the Hebrew, he fills... It's just not, it just does not convey the same meaning as in the English language. He feels, conveys a sense of completion. It is the same word that's used to describe someone who is drenched. That is God filling us. He drenches you. I mean, like he just completely saturates every person, every aspect of your person. You're given in full. You're satisfied to its fullness. That means like you get enough from God until you say no more. But the secret of hunger and being hungry for God and the uniqueness about spiritual hunger is that the more you eat, the more you want. And that is the tension in which we live. Because the very thing that we desire more than anything, the presence of Almighty God, is the very thing that satisfies us. And when we're satisfied, we just want more. We want more. Don't you want more of what we experienced this morning? I mean, the presence of God is priceless. Priceless. He fills the hungry. Psalm 107, and there's a corresponding verse in John chapter 10, verse 10. I think we all know that. What does it say? That Jesus came to give us life that is to the fullest, abundant, right? That is the same principle, conveys the same idea that we get fully satisfied. It's a satisfaction that goes beyond anticipated expectation when it comes from God. That means that he gives you more than you can expect or anticipate because God is way bigger than your needs and wants. I could spend probably an hour just talking about that. But let me move on. When we, you see, when we pull on the resources of heaven by our hunger for his presence, there's something that happens. It shows, right? When we are full of God, it shows, does it not? There's fruit that comes with it. In fact, in um, Jesus, in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 20, he said this, that we will recognize the fruit by what? By what? Come on, help me out. What, what, sorry, we will recognize the tree by what? By it's fruit. I say it right, David. <laughs> we recognize a tree by its fruit. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Now, he's talking not just about a tree bearing fruit, but he's also talking about a life 
bearing fruit. When we develop a hunger for God, we become more aware of the necessity of his presence and the things of the kingdom. And the fruit will show in our lives. Spiritual hunger should not be considered some kind of an abstract concept, right? Some mystical idea that we think of, oh, the presence of God, you know? We're not talking about something mystical here. We're talking about something extremely practical that we all need for our Christian life. Now, think about this. How do you show evidence that you love to worship? You worship. Thank you. Thank you, Sam. How do you show evidence that you love prayer? You pray. You attend Saturday Seeking with Sam. You know, you come at 6 o'clock in the morning, you know, while you have scales coming off your eyes. Because <clears throat> trying to wake up. But, you know, you want to be there because you desire to have fellowship or you pray at home you seek you spend time with God now in Matthew chapter 5 Jesus preaching the sermon on the mount he said in the, during the beatitudes he said blessed are the poor in spirit blessed are the meek blessed are the merciful blessed are the peacemakers blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness now let me ask you the question how do you know that someone is a peacemaker or meek or merciful or hungering for righteousness it's the same way. The peacemakers extend peace. They have peace. They bring it wherever they go. The meek, they have a quiet, gentle nature. They display that <clears throat> wherever they are. The merciful, they extend mercy. Deserved or undeserved mercy and kindness. The righteous, they live righteous. A tree that shows by the very fruit that it bears. So today I want to talk about four practical aspects very quickly of <clears throat> what these fruits in our lives should be as it pertains to our hunger for God. Number one, when we are spiritually hungry, we will not satisfy or follow the desires of the flesh. Ouch. Right? This is, a, I think, is a very unpopular concept when it comes in the, to the American church. In fact, I, you know, I, <clears throat> I was thinking this week as I was preparing, and, I, and I, I thought, God, this is so unusual to talk about what makes us very uncomfortable to talk about. You know, cruci crucifying the flesh, not following the flesh. That's like something that we don't talk about in church anymore. And you know what? I think that in so many ways, you know, when we talk about the American church and the unpopular concepts that sometimes we, um, uh, you know, we don't hear much preaching about, I'm convinced that the very concept of not becoming like the typical American church uh, it's something that we don't fully grasp or understand its full meaning or what it, its intended meaning is. You see, you can define healthy in the kingdom with a flawless view of who God is and what he desires and what he expects, expects from each and every one of us. And so because our view is flawless, sometimes our view of God is flawless, so is our view of church. You follow where I'm going? Right? 
So we want to not be something wrong, but if our view of God is incorrect and is flawed, so will everything else that happens. Our way of thinking, our way of seeing. Romans chapter 8 and verse 13 says this. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. That's a result of living by the Spirit. Now the flesh is part of us. It's what we carry with us everywhere, right? But the flesh does not want to submit to God. Galatians 5 tells us that the flesh is at war with the Spirit. Literally a war. We are involved in a daily war with ourselves and one that sometimes we take for granted because we just get up and we kind of go la 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 through the day without having spiritual awareness and understanding of what is happening around us in the spirit realm and what the flesh and the fleshly desires are looking for. What the flesh hungers for will never align to the Spirit of God unless we train the flesh to come into submission and alignment with the Spirit of God and the purposes of God. I'm going to say that again. The flesh will only come into submission and alignment when the Holy Spirit of God in us, we get aligned to the purposes of God and what the Holy Spirit desires. Now, what is the flesh? The flesh is that carnal part of us, that, the flesh, the carnal. You know, carnal Christians, one of those things that we used to use way back then, for those of you that have been saved more than three months, <clears throat> you probably have heard that. Oh, the carnal believer was such a carnal Christian. Well, you know what? That's, that's reality. It, it's a carnal mindset. It's a materialistic in nature type of mindset, not given to and opposed to the Spirit of God. The carnal mindset will not promote spiritual hunger. It will not. Carnal mindset will promote a materialistic lifestyle that focuses on self, the promotion of self, and the gratification of human desires. And that is just such a hard message for me to even speak about because you know what? I war with the same things. I struggle with the same desire, the same tendencies. You know what? Should we just like really like read the Bible this morning? Could we just like watch the Olympics? I mean like America, you know, We're cheering. I'd rather watch TV than to do the things that God wants me to do. I'd rather watch a movie than to sit down and maybe read a book. Trust me, I'm not telling you because I have overcome this. It's a daily struggle for each and every one of us. That's why the flesh, Paul says, is at war with the spirit. That is why. It's a war, it's a struggle each and every day. The two cannot coexist unless... The flesh submits to the spirit. That's the only way that the two can actually coexist for the purposes of God. So 
as believers, we must put to death the desires of the flesh that pull us away from God. While I was meditating a week ago on <clears throat> just spending some time with the Lord, I heard God say these words. If it pulls you away from me, it is not me. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. And I'm going to say that to you. I want you to do maybe a mental inventory or write it down when you go home. And just ask the Lord, God, what is it that's pulling me away from you? Because if it's pulling you away from God, if it's pulling your resources away from the things that you should be doing in the, in the spirit realm, then it is not God and you should get rid of it. In fact, I would say run from it. Number two, when we are spiritually hungry... We develop a kingdom mindset. A kingdom mindset. In 2 Chronicles 16 and verse 9, it says this. The eyes of the Lord search the entire earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. That's 16.9, not 13.9. I'm sorry, that's my bad. <clears throat> the eyes of the Lord are searching through and to and fro toward the earth to find those who are fully committed, to strengthen those who are committed to him. And then in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, it says this, that God rewards those who earnestly, earnestly seek him. Now, in the original... Seeking, the seeking is only as valuable as the motive which drives it. It emphasizes the personal intent of the seeker. In other words, we are, are we hungry enough? And are we desperate enough? When we come to church, are we hungry enough for the things of God? Are we desperate enough to experience his presence? Or do we just come to church and think, well, it's another Sunday. It's another thing. What do you do on Sunday? You just go to church. That's not what God actually rewards. He rewards those who earnestly seek him because it highlights the motive of the, of the heart of the individual coming into the presence of God. And so that is why it's so important for us to come to church ready and hungry and desiring the presence of God because that is who God fills up. He fills the hungry. He satisfies the hungry. He fills those who come wanting it and desiring it more than pizza at 8.30 at night on a Friday night. Come on, somebody. That's what God fills. It's clear that God desires for us to be hungry in our pursuit of the things of the kingdom. And, you know, having a kingdom mindset really means this. That God is in charge and I am not. Just as simple and bare, my top priority is the advancement of the kingdom and it's the proclamation of Jesus the King. That's why it's so important that we go back into understanding and, and getting back into the mandate of the church that is to preach the gospel to all creations. We have gotten away, guys, as a church. We have gotten away. We've gotten lukewarm as we spend time with people around us. You know what? People that have never heard of, of, about the name of Jesus, and we never tell them. We need a revival in our lives of a hunger and a desire for spreading 
the name of Jesus and the kingdom of Jesus, the king in this earth. We have to ask ourselves as followers of Christ, am I living for God? Or is my goal in this life to be safe and comfortable, rich, like liked by others, conforming to the principles of our cultures? What is the goal of your life? When you sit down at the beginning of a new year and you take inventory of everything that you have done the past year and you say, okay, this is what we're going after as a family. What is it that you tell yourselves? Well, you know what? This year, I want to get another, you know, 3%, 6%, whatever you get is increased. Okay, well, we're just going to go with that money to Aruba and we're just going to, and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And we, and what do you do for God? I'm challenging you. What are your thoughts about God in your life? To have a kingdom mindset is to be submitted under the rule of King Jesus. What did Jesus do on the cross? He, come on, yell it out for me. He died. Is that what you said? He died? I know, I know it's tough. You know what? You know where I'm going with it. And I know you know where I'm going with it. So if King Jesus died and we're supposed to be like him, does that mean that we also ought to die? Die. If he died, I must die to self in order for me to be submitted to his kingdom. Number three, when we are spiritually hungry, our lives will improve. You say, what do you mean by my life will improve? Here, here's a very simple way to put it. You become a better man. Woman, women, you become a better woman. Husbands, you become better husbands. Wives, you become better wives. Sons, daughters, you become better sons and daughters. You become a better friend. You become a better worker because the presence of God will do that in your life. It's a fruit of what he does in us. We all, guys, we all experience life's ups and downs, things that we go through. Spiritually, we're not always on the mountaintop. We want to be, but we're not. We all face relational issues with people. Often, that's part of the Christian life, of the Christian walk. We have ups and we have downs. But we can't settle in our downs. We have got to continue moving forward. You know, one of the things that Lois always reminds me of and used to remind me of is that, uh, you know, she would say to me, David, my security as a woman and as a wife is when I see you praying and worshiping and being with Jesus, when I see you be with Jesus, I feel more secure. I feel like you're in a good place. And if you're in a good place, I'm in a good place. So, you know what, husbands, if you feel like you're not in a good place with your wife, just perhaps could it be that you're not where you should be with the Lord? Could it be that you're lukewarm and your wife senses it because she sees the fruit that we're talking about? And so, again, I'm challenging us today. When I am closer to Jesus... I desire him more. I'm hungry for his presence. I want to spend time with him. I want to. 
When I get up in the morning, I want to talk to King Jesus because he blesses my life. You see, everything changes when we are hungry for God. Everything changes. We experience real transformation of life and character. Our hearts become softer. Our speech becomes tempered. Our patience increases. Our kindness and gentleness is evidenced because of what God does in us. And we run sometimes from, from counselor to counselor to medications and to things. And I'm not saying that you should stop your medication if you are. But I'm telling you, balance that out with the presence of God. He will make a great difference in your life. He will. The presence and the power of God are transformative. The Bible says to taste and see. It doesn't just say watch and see. It says taste and see. You've got to taste of the goodness of God. That's why we focus so much on God's presence here at MCC. That's why we think and we mention prayer so much. We come together not because we like to get up at 6.30 in the morning and just, you know, you know. actually, if you have to be here at 6.30 in the morning, for some of you, you'd have to wake up at 5. I don't know, you know. I, I need to get, you know, get up and get the stuff off my eyes and just like, you know, okay, time to go. We have got to understand that we need to taste in order to see. Finally, when we are spiritually hungry, we will give ourselves away. Now, I know that we all have commitments in life. Some of you have growing children, you have activities, family activities, all kinds of stuff taking place. But guys, parents, I just want to tell you this, and please hear me from my heart. I'm not telling you not to do any of these, but... <clears throat> Your children will not become spiritual giants based on the number of ballerina classes, swimming lessons, baseball camps, and soccer tryouts they go to. Now, again, hear me out. I've coached my kids in soccer. We had a ball. We had a blast. We, I loved it. They loved it. It was great. I spent the time. I loved it. <clears throat> but when it comes to Things in the spiritual realm. We have got to learn to find the balance that we need in order for God to be glorified in our lives and in our families. Proverbs 22 and verse 6. I'm going to read that to you in the Passion Translation. It says this. It says, dedicate your children to God and point them in the way that they should go. Point them. And the values that they have learned from you will be with them. For life. The values that they learn will be with them, with them for life. Now, <clears throat> what I'm saying is that when we make God our priority, there's no assurance of complete results. But if you choose God today, I bet you that you will see better results tomorrow. And if some of you parents have already done that and your children are grown up, you can say amen. We must teach our children 
the value of God's presence, love for his word, love for worship, coming to church, love for witnessing, love for giving, love for serving. We have got to do that. We have got to teach them that. But not just in words. We have got to model it. They got to see us do it. They got to see us do it. I don't have to come. You know what? <clears throat> My, our children, I don't have to tell them, you know what? You need to come to church on Sunday. They know. Because we've taught them since they were young. I don't have to tell them, hey, you know what? Whatever you are taking in, you need to give God your tithe, your 10%. Because you know what? They've done it all their lives. You know why they've done it all their lives? Because they saw Lois and I do it all of our lives. You model. We have a tremendous responsibility to model to our children what we believe. And if we just believe it here, but we don't do it outwardly, what value is that? If we model to our kids the importance of reading God's word, guess what? They will read God's word when they grow up. They will. If you model to your children telling others about Jesus is important, they will tell others about Jesus. If you model coming to church to honor God, they will come to church and honor God. They will not put other things as priority. They will not wake up at 10 o'clock in the morning and say, oh, crap, it's too late. Oh, excuse me. Come on. Let's be honest. We've used worse words than that. <clears throat> oh, too late. I'm just going to stay in bed. When we honor God, he will honor us. And as we model that to our children, they will also see that. There's a good chance, not a guarantee, but there's a good chance that they will do the same. They will do the same. But it works both ways. And I will tell you that when you teach your children, you model your children, you're going to see results in your kids too. That's a good thing, parents. That's why it's important for us to do it. Guys, <clears throat> I am telling you right now. Today, July 25th, 2021, we have gone through and we're still going through a pandemic. Things have changed so much, so drastically. People don't know if they're coming or going. Fear is rampant. All kinds of things that are taking place in the individual's lives. And we have got to get closer and closer and closer to Jesus. We can't afford to give God a half-baked commitment. We cannot put God in a box, a Christian mindset that only is limited to the knowledge of the Bible that promotes me and not necessarily the kingdom. We need to become a church family that witnesses to those who do not know Jesus. A church family that welcomes everyone regardless of their background, regardless of their socioeconomic status, regardless of their skin color, regardless of their cultural background. We need to be a church that accepts everyone. We need to become a church that serves the needs of our community. We need to learn to give ourselves away. Our talents, our time, our finances. Some of you, God has been calling you to step outside of, of yourself into a new commitment to him. But you've been resisting. You've been finding even excuses at times. You're saying to yourself, I want to, but I don't want to. It's just, you know what, I just, ah, I'd rather not. Some of you have had negative church experiences in your life. 
And I'm so sorry that you have. But you're limiting yourself to a negative experience in life. And that just will not jive with God. Some of us are not financially blessing the kingdom with our tithes and offering because maybe in the church that you were, somebody told me this just last week, in the church that I was uh, attending years ago, there was misappropriation of funds. And I'm just a little, huh. If that's a concern for you, I want you to know that the books of the church are open. You can come and ask anytime you want, anything you want. We have got to give. We've got to bless God. Start today. Guys, I cannot even begin to tell you the importance of what it means to give God our tithes and offering. The Bible tells us that God will rebuke the enemy on your behalf. This is not a light thing. It is a major important thing. And it is for your blessing. And it is for our blessing. You know when God says, God says, you robbed me of tithes and offering. And you actually robbed God of money. I don't think you can. But you know, it actually says that you robbed me of blessing you. We rob God of blessing us the way that he would really truly bless us when we honor him. Not just in lip service, but in action. So I say start today. Set up recurring giving. It's easy. You know what? I cannot give whatever. I cannot give my full 10%. Give God 5%. Give, one three, th give Him 3%. Give Him whatever. Make an agreement with Him to say, God, I'm going to honor you with my giving. Start today. You know, spiritual hunger can become dull very, very quickly. And so today, I truly believe that you can Ask God to set you free and deliver you from dullness of spiritual life. And God will set you free. God will bless you. I want to give you, how do you know that your, spirit, that your hunger is spiritually dull? I put them up on screen. You, you want to take a picture of it? I can't get into all of them. But I will say this. There are some that are very important. I don't know why they all say one, 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 one. But they're all priority one. How's that? There's seven of them. If you look at the third one, it says your spiritual tank is empty and you don't know it and don't feel the need to fill it. That's called spiritual apathy. Spiritual apathy. You don't involve God in your decision. You only trust your own abilities. Self-reliance. Look at the last one. You can't remember what it felt like the last time that God touched you, it's called religiosity. That's kind of like just going through the motions and nothing else really matters. We've gone through four weeks of this teaching. I, my prayer, our prayer as we uh, have been preparing for this as a staff and as we uh, focus on spiritual hunger for God is that God will ignite a passion inside of you that you will sense and know that he wants more from you that perhaps you may have given him to this point. I believe God wants to touch us and bless us.